Hi, this is May. And I'm Joy. Welcome to the QWERTY Writing Life Podcast, where we have candid chats about our creative lives. May and I are friends, writers, and creatives who want to share our endeavors out loud. On this podcast, we're here to encourage each other, and you too, and share tools we've discovered or made up, so you can follow your passions with a little support. So grab your tea, or your coffee, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. It's another week. Hello and welcome. Tonight, we're going to be doing part three of our Creative Critique Partner series, and we're going to be talking about choosing a critique partner this time. It's what we've all been waiting for, I'm sure. But to just give you a little bit more suspense, we're going to talk about our creative weeks first. (laughs) (laughs) Evil laugh. (laughs) Yes, yes. So, Joy, what did you do? Oh, so this past week, um, it's kind of been a little bit of a whirlwind, but since our last episode, I have gotten the chance to do a lot of really cool things. I had a local uh, senior in high school. She's a homeschooled student, and she is considering either a career in a library or in editing, or perhaps both. And so she shadowed me for an afternoon, which was kind of cool. It yeah. was uh, it was a little crazy because it's like you know her mom asked me and I'm just like I don't even know I don't I don't know what 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 this even means <laughs> like I, I never thought of having someone shadow me before but it was a lot of fun it was it was fun I got to share with her you know how I came to to be an editor and what I like about it and I got to ask her questions and find out um, a little bit about the books that she loves and some of her dreams and goals and stuff like that so. That was a lot of fun. Wow, you're a mentor, Joy. I know. It's kind of that's a scary thought. (laughs) Yeah, I feel the same way sometimes. Right. It's like, ooh, responsibility and stuff. (laughs) And then this past, um, well, I guess when you guys are listening to this a week ago. At that point, I got to read a short story, special spooky thriller type short story uh, for my local library, and it was so much fun. We had a great group of people who showed up via Zoom, gotta love Zoom, right? And they were there to hear my story, and also we had a local teacher who talked about Mary Shelley and how she's the mother of monsters. And it was just the best presentation. I absolutely loved learning more about Mary Shelley, uh, about Frankenstein, and about all of the different versions of Frankenstein because she republished a few times during her lifetime. And it was really neat to hear what the changes were each time and also some of the influences that she has had in writers over the years when it comes to this idea of monsters. So... It was incredible. So tell us about your creative week. This week has been a lot of fun, actually. I got to spend um, Monday just doing a lot of editing from poetry. So I have po- um, edited most of my poetry book, actually. Um, so I did that. And then 
I also am working, in fact, tonight, you see, if you're on YouTube, you see my wet hair and everything, because um, <laughs> I am already in my editing clothes, and I've had my shower, and I'm going to be editing a spooky short story tonight so that I can give it to the, one of the owners of the author shop to read on Halloween because they're having like a spooky story reading, oh, um, but it's going to be too late for me. Um, but I have to edit it first because when I went back to retrieve the story, because it's been a while since I've looked at it and it's like one of my old blog posts. And uh, so I went to go get the story and I was like, this is, this is not good. I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm going to edit it. And, and, you know, I don't know, there's just something about like looking at your writing that's far, far back. You can see where like your knowledge has grown and mm. your writing is different. And I'm sure that it's different for any kind of creative medium. You know, you've had a few years to grow and learn more craft and, and see things from a different perspective. And so when you go back to those pieces that are, that have happened before, like, I love the story. Like I love all of the weird gritty details that are in the story, but the actual story structure could use some help in this particular sense. So it's not that I'm like down on my writing, from way back when it's just it could be better like and I can see it now in a place where I couldn't see it then now is this the one that I read that was on my podcast yeah this is the one I did some flash fiction for a podcast and the podcast was uh it's Holly Lyle and her daughter Rebecca and it's um, air rip. Let's see. Alone in a room with invisible people. That's the name of the podcast. But yeah, so I think it was not this past Halloween, but the Halloween before that, they did this little co contest where if you could write flash fiction, it was like 500 words, um, and submit it in time. And then they would pick ones from those submissions to read on their podcast. And I'm a Holly Law fan. Like, I love the way that her teaching style is. It just really resonates with me. And she teaches writing. And I submitted, and she chose it, and I geeked out. And then I was like, this is, this is, this is too weird. Like, it's just too weird. And I don't really <laughs> write spooky stories very often, but this one was really kind of cool to dive deep into a place that I don't normally go for a little while there. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go there again and make it even weirder or at least tell the story in a better way. So that's so fun. I love that we both have these stories that it's not our typical thing and we both pulled them out again and kind of reworked them and fixed them up and made them prettier for something new. And I just love that. It's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do too. And I like writing, I like doing something different every once in a while mm -hmm. and pushing my boundaries and see if they can be moved in a way or if they're standing firm. <laughs> so. Well, so I guess that kind of brings us right to our topic for tonight about choosing a critique partner. It absolutely does. So in our first episode, we defined a critique, what a critique partner is. And in our second episode, we evaluated ourselves to see if we had um, any barriers or issues that we needed to work on personally before we started actively lurking, lurking, <laughs> actively looking for a critique partner. So tonight, I think we're ready. I think we're ready to start choosing a critique partner. So the first part of this is it's. You know, last week we talked about knowing yourself, but this is in a different way. This is like knowing your creative self, not necessarily like the inner workings of your emotions and that sort of thing. Mm. 
So um, we're going to talk first of all about knowing your purpose, your process, and your strengths and weaknesses. So choosing the best partner begins with knowledge of your artistic goals and process so you can swap this information with one another. You're looking for commonalities with enough differences to make life a bit interesting. And you need to know the purpose behind your art and why you're making it a priority and seeking a large-scale audience. You know, so in other words, you're looking for an audience more than grandma and mom, right? <laughs> like you're looking to get your work out there. So we're actually going to close out with some questions during our QWERTY challenge today that can help you with this very thing. So we'll come back to that at the end. But first, we're going to talk about our process. You should have made enough pieces in your creative medium to be able to identify your process, or at least some of the big parts of it, some things that are repeating and making a pattern. If you've never considered this before, either think back on the projects that you've made in the past and identify how you created them, or you can work on a new project and just be really observant and keep this whole process thing in mind. Good point. Yes. So the next thing is our strengths and weaknesses. This is where you want to evaluate your strengths and your weaknesses honestly, okay? There's no room for self-deprecation, but there's also no room for hubris. You might discover something you thought was a strength actually isn't, and vice versa. One way to do this is to honestly evaluate pieces you've made in the past. Also, as you do this, you might be surprised to discover how far you've already come on your creative journey, which ties right back into what May was talking about during our creative weeks about how interesting it is to look back at things that we've done to see how we've grown and how we've changed both as a person and as a creative. So if you are evaluating your own work and you're finding some strengths and you're finding some weaknesses, but you also maybe are wondering where else you can improve, you can also evaluate some of the work that you admire from other artists and see where you would like to maybe incorporate some some learning in order to make your pieces better. And that's another place. And we say weaknesses, but really what we're looking at here are challenges. It's not that we are weak and, and unable to do these things. We all are able to learn. So we all are able to be challenged and to be better from these from these observations, right? So um, so observe your own work, but also take a look at some other things that uh, that you love. Take a look at some things that you don't like too and identify why you don't like it and incorporate that into your observation as well for your strengths and your weaknesses or challenges. The whole purpose though for identifying each of these details, your purpose, your process, and your strengths and weaknesses, the whole purpose for all of this is to identify what you're bringing to the critiquing table, what you can contribute and where you need the most help. Very good. So once you kind of understand that about your creative self, the next thing is to think about the critiquing style you best respond to. Okay, and where you can go with this and how you can come up with this is to think about which critiques on past work made you feel wonderful about yourself and your work and made you want to make it even better. You know, just really kind of pushed you to eat, to make yourself and your work even better than it was. Also, which ones made you feel the worst and made you want to toss your work into the trash instead? I think we've all had some of both of those. Yes. Let me give you an example of both. 
the ones that made me feel the worst were the ones where, particularly in teachers, where they would be like, so I know your potential and I know you didn't do your best work here. They don't know what was going on with me. Like, <laughs> you know, honestly, when you're in these kind of situations, they don't know my home life. They don't know what was going on in that time. They don't know what my mind was around, was having to wrap around along with this particular assignment. So let's not talk about potential here. You know, potential is unlimited in a perfect world, but this is not a perfect world. So don't talk to me about, I know how good you could be. No, 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 That's not going to work for Megan. <laughs> so Joy knows this about me as well. And so it's so interesting to see how she critiques me. And then when I come to a particular conclusion, she's like, yeah, I knew that. And I knew that you would get there, but I couldn't tell you because I know your personality and you would have rejected it because I said it out loud. <laughs> so. <laughs> So that's one good thing about knowing how I react to particular kinds of critiques because I can share that with Joy and Joy can hold her tongue until I get to the right decision. (laughs) I just sit back and wait and be like, oh, you're going to get there. You'll get there. (laughs) Yep. And there it is. Uh, so that's one that was like a negative thing for me. And so some for some other people, though, they might really need somebody to call them out to say, hey, you know what? I don't think you are giving it your all. And, uh, and that might be something that is good for someone else. But particularly for Mae Smith sitting over here in Mississippi, United States, not a good thing. Not a good thing for me at all. <laughs> Now, I do have another story about some positive critiquing, and this is not something that was even in a creative field. This was just something that happened in my life. So when I was younger and I was living at home, um, I had my, my brother and I were living at home inside my stepdad and my mom. So when my stepdad would work on things, he was pretty handy. And so washing machines, plumbing, electricity, things like that. Whenever something would go wrong, he would try to fix it first before we called somebody if it was needed. And so we were, my brother and I were designated flashlight holders. And (laughs) it was kind of, um, it wasn't like a big thing, but it was a thing. Like I felt pretty special being the flashlight holder. I don't think it was the same way for my brother, but I felt pretty special about being a flashlight holder. At some point in time, my stepfather complimented the way that I held the flashlight. And, um, so he said something specifically, he was like, you know, you hold it right where I need it. And whenever you see the tools move, you anticipate where it goes. And so you, you move the beam to the place that, that it needs to go. And you are like, basically my, uh, my designated flashlight holder now because of the way that you are caring about the situation that's going on. This is a story that has stuck with me and he only, you know, he only said it once. So this is something that stuck with me all of these years later, all of these decades later. And when we were reviewing this script for the podcast, this story popped out in my mind and I was like, this is important. This is important. And I'm trying to, and I don't know why. So I took a moment and, uh, and talked it out with joy and here are the reasons why it was important, uh, important. The critique that he gave me, you know, this, you know, critique slash compliment that he gave me because a compliment is a critique as well. It's just, you know, observing and picking apart something that's happened, right? It was kind of the way he said the praise. It was in a very, you know, nice tone. It was in something that was complimentary. You know, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't in anger or in a condescension that he said it. 
So in the tone that he said it was in a praise type tone. Um, he was specific about the things that I did right. And he was specific on how it helped him. So why it was right and why it was a good thing. So those are the kind of things that I respond to. When Joy tells me something that uh, like, oh, this line right here is everything. Here's why it's everything. And she will, you know, she'll say, it tells me uh, it has character development in it in these two words. Or this really sets a setting in just one sentence. How did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) So those are the comments and those are the types of critique that really mean something to me because sometimes I don't even know that I'm doing something consciously. So when she points it out, it's something that I can think about and I can put words to in my heart and in my mind and in my mouth and, uh, and repeat it. But not everything that happens to me is going to be good for you guys, right? So that's why you have to think about things that you have been critiqued on and it doesn't necessarily have to be in your creative field, as I've you know just said, but Anytime that somebody has done something or said something that has complimented you and your actions in a way that made you feel good and feel right, think about why that was the thing. And if somebody has done something that has critiqued something about your life, whether it's an assignment or it's your clothing that made you feel not so good, let's think about why for that too. And I think those specifics, that is super important. You know, anytime you can get a critique, whether it be praise or, you know, hey, this could be better. When those specifics come in with it, that makes a world of difference, I feel like, for me. Mm. You know, just mm-hmm. to, to be able to see um, the whys behind what they're pointing out. That's a huge yeah. thing. And we'll cover that, too, in giving a critique in mm-hmm. the part where we talk about giving an, a critique in more detail. But right now, what we're looking for is for you to be able to say, hey, this is the kind of critique I respond to. Or whenever you give your potential critique partner something to look at and to critique, you will know if the response to your piece is going to benefit you or harm you in some way. Mm-hmm. So... It's not necessarily that somebody's trying to be ugly to you. It's just the way that you respond to things. And that is a part of this gig is being able to adapt to the way that your partner responds to critiques and also for them to adapt to the way that you respond to critiques. So it's a mutual reciprocal relationship. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, knowing how you naturally give critiques enables candid discussions with your potential or current critique partner regarding his needs as well. So like you said, it's mutual. You both get that. You get to be honest with one another, think through these things, think what works and what doesn't, and share that because that's, and as you guys will see as we continue through with the rest of this series, communication is going to be said many times. Super important. (laughs) Yeah, if we could sum up the entire book of Finders yeah. Keepers in one word, it would be like communication. Yeah. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so now that you know a little bit more about yourself, okay, you know your creative self, okay, now know your critique partner. You might be saying, well, wait a second, aren't we choosing them? I don't have them yet. We're getting there. We're getting there. So first of all, where can you find a critique partner? Um, first, just 
to put this out there before we go in and give you a few suggestions of places you can look, we encourage you to be courageous. You know, we are both tend to be introverts, right? We would rather just sit on the couch and eat our popcorn and enjoy our books and not talk to people, especially new people. <laughs> okay, so totally get it. But be courageous. Be Put yourself out there. Be willing to take a few steps, extend a hand. You never know what could come from that. At the same time, the mamas in us encourage you to be safe. Okay, so just keep those two things in mind. Be courageous yet safe as we give you just a few suggestions on places you can find a critique partner. And a few ways that you can be safe is to not let people know your address. If you're finding them in places that are local or even online, let's not give out our addresses. First mm -hmm. off, meet in public places to where you can have a good conversation. Um, but also a, a safe location in case the person turns out to be a creeper. <laughs> and um, so those kind of things, you know, like let's just be a little bit cautious about what we do, what kind of personal information that we give as far as location, oh, what kind of car do you drive, you know. Let's not give out license plate numbers, things like that. So <laughs> just, just be a little bit safe. That's all. <laughs> and also if it's an online situation, also, part of being safe is just taking your time. Don't rush into something because I know I have seen where some people seem one way when you first see them, especially online, you know, when you don't have that face-to-face, -face, that body language, that, you know, the vibes that you can get in person. Um, and they just seem like they've got it all together, that they're really gung-ho, that they're like, they're just really all about the craft and they know their stuff. And maybe after about a few more interactions, maybe five or six more interactions, it's like everything switches and you kind of see, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe this isn't, isn't a person who is as completely all in as I thought they were. Um, so being safe is also just making sure that you take your time, making sure you observe a person for a while before you jump in and say, want to be my critique partner? Like... Don't just do that until you, you have a little bit that you've, you've built up with this person. So, all right, so here are some suggestions. First, for in-person, okay? So if you want to meet someone in person near you, what about art markets or local poetry readings, acoustic nights, or your local community center or library events? You know what a big fan we are of libraries and all of the events fabulous events that they have. So those are just a few in-person suggestions. Then for online, I mean, guys, it's really endless, but creative groups, whatever your medium is, I guarantee you there are a million groups out there for that creative medium. Chat boards, social media platforms, just being out there on, on Twitter or um, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is that you're on art organizations or associations. So perhaps you have some memberships in some organizations like this. That would be a really great way to find someone else who is as serious as you are about your craft. So do you have any other suggestions you can think of that maybe we didn't have on the list? Not any other suggestions, but I do want to say that not everything that you might be looking into is going to be free. 
Um, there's going to be a lot of free options, and I know that not everybody is going to be able to pay for something. But if you do um, invest financially, then most likely you're going to be in a group of other people who've had to fi invest financially as well. And mm -hmm. that's just like one more rung upwards on the ladder, I think, mm -hmm. that changes you from a hobbyist to a career artist mm -hmm. when you start investing in your craft in a particular way. And it could be, you know, it could be courses or anything, but I also think that um, organizations and associations are a part of that so that you can learn from other people in like a mentor situation, but also so you can find other people who are like yourself who are ready to take it to the next level. Yeah, good point. So getting to know a potential critique partner is what we're going to talk about next. And, um, and here's a little thing that might not be super comfortable about getting to know a potential critique partner. And it's that you may have to instigate this. Like this might have to be you walking up to someone and saying, hi, my name's Mae Smith and I am a writer. And I just noticed you over here writing or I saw you at the art market and I loved your pottery and you know, like <laughs> things like this. So getting to know your potential critique partner, we have in our book, Finders Keepers, we have an interview for people who are interested in being critique partners, potentially. The word interview kind of comes with this connotation of you know, business suits and formality and fountain pens and things like that portfolio doesn't have to necessarily be that way. It can be a conversation like just walking up to someone and saying, hi, we're going to have some coffee and talk about the craft. Like it could be something as simple as that. But if conversation is not the easiest thing for you and I'm raising my hand for all of the people who are listening because I say the weirdest, awkward things y'all I don't even know where it comes from like I've never thought these thoughts before in my life and then they just pop out of my mouth when I speak to strangers and so I'm with you if that is your situation <laughs> and it's and it's one of those things that it was good for me to have a guide it's good for me to have a script we outline every episode it's very rare that we do an episode where it's just off the cuff <laughs> because my mouth is weird. So, <laughs> so we have all of these questions, but mostly they, they circle around the craft knowledge that you have, your strengths and weaknesses, your process, your purpose, those things that we talked about earlier, um, your needs as some, as an artist, like where do you want to go from here and how do you need to improve your goals as an artist? Are you wanting to be a gallery painter or you wanting to do illustrate children's books or like, where are your goals? What, what's, what's next here for you professionally? And also questions that circle around critique preferences, as we talked about earlier. So all of these things will most likely come into conversation at some point or another, if you are aware of it. So you don't necessarily have to say, please fill out this questionnaire. <laughs> <laughs> But if you're aware of some of the questions and some of the things that you were really interested in as you're speaking to a potential critique partner, those things are just going to come up because they're in your mind. So that's the kind of the professional part of the 
quote unquote interview process. So there are, there are three parts and I didn't say this to begin with, but you should probably know that there are three parts. So the first is professional. The one we just talked about. The second is personal. And the third is a practice critique. So secondly, personal topics are things that you're going to want to talk about too, because it's really good to be able to relate to your critique partner on a personal level, like a friendship level. So we're talking about fandoms. We're talking about hobbies outside of your creative medium, your favorite restaurant, your favorite type of food, you know, friendly things. So that's the kind of thing that you would like to, you would need to talk about too with your, your potential CP. And finally, there would be a practice critique involved. And this is something that Joy and I are really adamant about because you don't really know exactly how somebody's going to react to your work and they need to see it. They need to see uh, something that is exemplifies the stuff that you're doing right now. We realize that art can change uh, in the, in the future, but as of right now, these are some things that you have made that you feel pretty proud of and you want to see how they respond to it. So you'll hand something off. For writers, we talk about having uh, like a 10-page short story or some sort of something that's a bit shorter, even if it's just one chapter of a book or an article or some sort of research project that you're doing, having a small sampling, five to 10 pages, something like that, and just allowing them to go at it as they will (laughs) and, uh, and see what comes back. So for other types of mediums, you would have to set the parameters for your particular medium and then go at it from there. But a practice critique is something that we really think is important because, yes, you can say that I, uh, you can say I am a blunt yet kind commenter when it comes to critiques But one person's definition of blunt and kind might be different from another person's definition of blunt and kind. So this practice critique really puts puts the money where the person's mouth is. And you get to see if it's something that's going to resonate with you or something that's going to really harm your creativity. You know, just the big thing is to understand why we have these three separate things is, you know, you might do the professional, some of the professional questions, and you know what, you're not really matching up. So why push ahead to the personal stuff? Now, you might end up just really liking this person as a person, not necessarily to be a critique partner, and then you might talk about some of the personal stuff and you know, build a friendship based on a favorite fandom or something like that. Um, but when it comes to actually looking, actively seeking a critique partner, if you're not meshing professionally, no need to dive into the personal. But if you are, dive into that personal. If it's just really meshing, you guys are really clicking, you just, you're, you're together, then do this practice round. So it's basically the trifecta. If you can get all three of these, then you're looking at something pretty magical. Yeah. Yeah. Good point about that. These are building on top of one another. What we're looking for in a trial critique are these golden nuggets. And I think that this is important too. So it's not necessarily, does this make me feel good or feel bad, but also you want to be like, your creativity needs to be sparked at this point in time too. Right? Mm -hmm. So you're looking at these little golden nuggets that create thoughts. Like I didn't think of it that way before, or 
this is really interesting, or even, I can't believe that I didn't notice that, or I didn't catch that. Um, your partner should be different enough from you to offer a perspective that you haven't noticed yet in your creative medium. When you get in a critique back and you're excited to do something different to your project, that's a keeper, right? Yes. <laughs> Having said all of that, if you have not found this beautiful trifecta of a person mm -hmm. in your interview process or you're getting to know your critique partner process, you have a right to say that you don't want to enter into a partnership with this particular person. That is okay. So the longer that the relationship goes on, the harder it's going to be to break those ties and the more harm it's going to do to your creativity and to that other person as well. Because if they are not the critique partner for you, you are not the critique partner for them, my friend. And that is a hard realization to, to come to if you've been with somebody for a year. Just a little real talk there for a moment. Um, when the interview uh, the critique and your instincts match up, we feel like you have a solid, solid foundation. And you may have found your critique partner person. Yay. Oh, yeah. and we want to hear about it because, well, you know what? We like happily ever afters. So I think it's time now for a challenge. And yeah. we have two challenges for you because I feel like maybe only one of these will fit where you are right now. Or perhaps you might want to do both of these at some point. So the first one is what we mentioned at the very beginning of this episode. Uh, evaluate where you are as a creative artist and what you want. All right, so here are the questions and I'm gonna read them just like we have them in our book. So you're gonna hear writing and write, but you just slip in whatever your creative medium is because we think that these questions will work across the board. All right, so here you go. What do I plan to do with my writing? Why do I have to write? What do I want to write and why? Who am I writing for? And what are the key elements of my writing process? So those questions will help you just see where you are as a creative artist and what you want, your goals, all of that kind of stuff. So. Hopefully that'll give you a good foundation. Yes. And just one thing about that too, is that this is where you are right now. Mm -hmm. So these are also really great questions to come back to every so often and just make sure that those answers are still relevant to what you're mm -hmm. doing in the future. That is so true. Great point. Thanks for mentioning that because seriously, you're, you're, you're going to change as a person and as a creative as you go through. So, mm -hmm. all right. So our second challenge for you is on the other side. So not just knowing your creative self now, know your potential CP. So go ahead and make a list of possible critique partners you already know, or a list of the places where you could search for a critique partner. Are you more comfortable going online or in your local community in person? Put your list in the order of your interest at this point and keep that list close and then you might be diving into it pretty soon. Thank you for joining us for another episode and we hope you have a fantastic week. And go make something. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening until the end. Seriously, you're a trooper. Do you think pretty writing life is the bomb? 
May, you just said the bomb. Don't you censor me. If you think Cordy Writing Life rocks ice for real, oh my word. please rate, review, and share us with others. If you have questions about this week's episode or want to start a conversation, you can reach us by visiting courtywritinglife.podbean.com. We'll be back next week with more candid chats for you.